What's up, everybody? I'm John G. Stremski, born and raised New Yorker and longtime sports radio host. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, New York, New York with JJ. The first podcast on the Ringer and Spotify dedicated to you, the New York sports fan. I'll be giving you my thoughts on all the teams, plus fantastic guests, gambling picks, and thoughts from you. We'll be coming to you on Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights, plus bonus episodes whenever I got to get something off my chest. Make sure you follow the show on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm here with Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. Today, we're going to get into the running backs in the 2021 NFL Draft. DK is going to break down each one, giving some stylistic player comps, a scale of potential outcomes, maybe a little range of, I don't know, Mike Davis to Terrell Davis. I don't know. We're going to figure it Ooh, out. I like that. But first, DK. Yo. Is this a bad year for running backs? I mean, I wouldn't say it's bad because there are three very good players, I think, in this class, and they're going to be good pros and, and contribute right away. But I would not say it's a deep class. Uh, and I would say outside that three, the top three, it's it gets a little bit sketchy from there on. What about There's, this, DK? Are most drafts now the same for running backs every year? Do we feel kind of the same forever? For the next 10 years, are we just going to kind of feel the same? I don't know. I felt like last year's class was pretty good, pretty exciting. But as as it goes with any prospects or any any draft class every year... Really, we don't know how excited to get until landing spots hit. Like, we could see some of these, you know, the the, the big three, which we'll get into, Najee Harris, uh, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. If they land in crappy spots where they're immediately going to be backups, then it's, like, even less exciting. Or if one of the other less exciting guys, one of the secondary-tier guys, lands in a really good spot, we could start getting excited about that. So, I don't know. I would say suspend my conclusion until we see what happens with the draft. But overall, yeah, it's not the greatest class. I think there's three clear guys and then a bunch of other, you know, if you're if you're doing a dynasty draft at this time, it's like take a flyer on these guys type of deal. But I wouldn't feel super confident about anybody outside the top three. I can't remember a less fascinating year for running backs. Literally nobody is talking about them. It's all quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers. It's covered up because it's such an offensive draft. Not like offensive, but it's offensive. <laughs> like it's court three or four quarterbacks up top. Pass catchers, like you got four receivers that are really good. You've got a legendary tight end. They're probably, it might, there's a really good chance that a defender, the first defender drafted is the latest any defender gets drafted in the common draft era. Like it's really possible that, that defenders are taken in the first it, yeah. eight, eight picks. But running backs suck and it's papered over. So I wanted to see if that was true. So I just kind of went perused the last four running back draft classes. So 2020, you've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You've got DeAndre Swift. You've got Jonathan Taylor. You've got Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson. Pretty good group. A.J. Dillon. Pretty good. Pretty good. A.J. Dillon with the quad. Second yeah, rounder. The quad. 2019, <laughs> you've got Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Daryl Henderson, Damian Harris, Devin Singletary. Not great. Hey, not bad. 2018, Saquon, Rashad Penny. Ooh. <laughs> it's funny. Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, Carrion Johnson, Darius Grice. He sucks. Royce Freeman, Naheem Hines, Chase Edmonds. I mean, it's a pretty good group overall, except for Rashad yeah, Penny. Yeah, two obviously. solid ones. 2017, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Tariq Cohen, Aaron Jones. Sheesh. That's seven pro bowlers. This kind of just tells me, though, that every running back draft, there's like three guys who are going to end up being like perennial fantasy 
relevant guys. Like there's like, yeah, there's like three every year. Speaks to the shelf life of the position though, I think, right? Like teams are going to be, you know, basically looking to, to add new, new blood to their, to their offensive lineup. Um, like there is a first round fantasy running back in every year here, maybe besides 2019, Josh Jacobs is on the cusp, but like there's a first rounder in every single year so far in the last five years. Are you saying that these other classes were underwhelming? Or are you saying that we're losing or that we're losing like perspective and like we're just like a little bit pampered or whatever, like with what we've seen in the last couple of years? Or do you think this is going to be a better than expected class? I don't know. I guess I'm saying that like looking at Heifetz's list here of the last four drafts, like it seems like three or four good running backs come out of every draft anyway. So Perhaps, you know, we're clouded by the fact that the rest of the offensive rookie draft seems so yeah. great. But, like, maybe there'll just be two, three solid running backs like there are every year in this draft. I think we're pampered, for sure. Okay, so let's go through this year's class. Yeah, so we're going to do that scale thing because it was such a hit last time. People were clamoring <laughs> was a huge to hit. get this scale back. People want to be pampered by the scale. People wanted more. That's really what they People want. wanted more. So, DK, you're going to hit us with the scale of 1 through 10, but the 1 through 10 are actually 10 players of how these outcomes could go for these guys' careers. Yeah. So hit us, DK. Hit us right in the face with your scales. All right. So first off, we got Najee Harris from Alabama. And Is it officially Najee? Actually, I think it's Najee. Najee Harris. Najee. Okay. I keep getting that incorrect, but I think I believe it's Najee Harris. Anyways... So his 10, let's start at the bottom. And actually, I'm going to start with a former, another former Alabama uh, running back who tested really well, super athletic, um, kind of had, you know, the same style. And that's Bo Scarborough from, or Bo Scarborough <laughs> from Alabama. He would be sort of like, to me, the bottom end scale, the worst case scenario, backup slash rotational guy at best. Um, starting, so I'll just go through it one through 10. Bo Scarborough. Jeremy Hill, Gus Edwards, Eddie Lacy, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Steven Jackson, Le'Veon Bell, and Matt Forte. So my my initial takeaway is big guys with hands. Yep. Big guys who can move, who are factors in the passing game. And the reason I put Bell on that one is I, I'm starting to feel like the Bell one works better and better because Harris, he's not a home run hitter. He is not a guy that's going to like you know, take a, a small hole in the line and like turn it into an 80 yard touchdown. But he's very quick. He's very patient, letting his block set up. I know that uh, Le'Veon Bell, like the big thing is his patience behind the line of scrimmage. Very good in the passing game, almost like a receiver. Like a, what, what, what he was doing in his contract situation wasn't like, like half a receiver, your number two receiver, and you're, you're running back one. And that was like what he wanted to get paid as. So I think Najee Harris. Very good receiver, can go downfield, run vertical routes. He can like jump up in the air, twist in the air, and catch the ball. Uh, Matt Forte is another one that I've heard. Like, I think that's sort of the platonic ideal that you're looking at. He was a little bit more explosive than I think Najee Harris is, but again, like the kind of guy who could catch 50, 60, maybe even more passes in a season. Um, and then my comp for Harris this whole time has been Steven Jackson, just similar styles, um, you know, similar running style. So, yeah. On the on the low end again, like the Bo Scarborough, Jeremy Hill, kind of plotters, straight line guys, all the way up to, you know, Steven Jackson, Le'Veon Bell, Matt Forte guys that are gonna catch like 50, 60 balls and be big studs in fantasy football. Hi Fitz, when you look at that list, what does that do to you? Is that does that get the uh get the loins fired up or not really? <laughs> the juice is flowing. <laughs> the loins. The juices are flowing. I I, <laughs> I think that my takeaway here is like I'm not super excited. I mean, Matt Forte, Le'Veon Bell, Steven Jackson were like all at some point like a top fantasy pick. Like Steven Jackson was multiple years the number one guy off the board. Le'Veon Bell was, I think, two or like maybe three times the number one pick in drafts. Matt Forte was always up there. And then like Melvin Gordon and Fournette are like real like a big drop off. <laughs> and so like it's a, it's a tear there. Yeah. Huge drop off. I really want to know from DK, like what is your confidence level that he's in the Melvin Gordon Fournette level or like what that he can reach the Le'Veon Bell, Steven Jackson, like fantasy star three down back catching a lot of passes level. Yeah. So I think, um, I think I would probably say Melvin Gordon is a very realistic floor situation. You know what I mean? Like he, like 
Melvin Gordon was pretty bad. Wasn't he pretty bad his rookie year? Broke out his second year and, and started scoring touchdowns like crazy. He's always kind of never been, he, he never has been at least an elite, elite guy. But if you go back, remember his time at Wisconsin, just running he was over like legendary. dudes. Yeah, running over dudes. He had like 500 yards in one game against Nebraska. You know, just this is why I didn't really trust Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, right. And so it was like, because <laughs> like Monte Ball and, and Melvin Gordon oh, looked yeah. great. Monte Ball, right. So I think that obviously it's not the worst case scenario, but like I'm treating this like, Melvin Gordon is a realistic worst case scenario. I don't think you're going to get much worse than Najee Harris. Najee Harris. Sorry, I keep I keep messing that up. But at the same time, I do think he has in the right system. If they can feed him the football in the passing game, like he has higher upside to to catch, you know, fifty plus passes a season. So um, it's t- it's tough to know and, and without knowing the landing spot. But I do say I kind of just circle that Melvin Gordon area as like my confidence factor. Where do you want to see him go? I want to see him go to Pittsburgh. I think that would be the most fun destination Ooh. because, well, in the yeah. short term, obviously, like Big Ben has a, a history of passing a lot to the running backs, a lot of checkdowns. Pittsburgh has always been a bell cow style offense where they like really feature one guy and one guy only, try and get him in there all the time. So I think those two things make me really want him to go to Pittsburgh. And if he goes to Pittsburgh and he's a first rounder, they're going to give him tons and tons of touches. So um, that would be my my big vote, I think. And, and the other one is Buffalo is an option. But mm. that one, to me, is not as exciting from a fantasy point of view because then you got Josh no. Allen. He's not dropping it off to to running backs very often. They were one of the pass-heaviest teams in the NFL last year. You know, it's not an ideal situation. However, there's just not a lot of teams that don't have, <clears throat> like, an established starter that's going to carry the ball you know, or that, that that he can like drop into and immediately be like a 20 to 30 touch guy. Who are those teams? We have maybe Miami, maybe the Jets. And the Steelers. I was going to say Arizona, but they signed James Conner James today. today. So that would be out the window. Falcons. Falcons. Definitely the Falcons. Ooh, the Falcons are definitely a good one. Because, right, what is it? Who's their starter right now? Edo Smith. Allison. Mike Davis. <laughs> Yeah. Mike Davis. <laughs> There's a lot of Mike Davis love this Mike week on Davis. Twitter. Oh my God. Maybe the Raiders wanted a third running back. Maybe. But yeah, there's just not there's not a lot of openings. I'm just looking through all these teams. There's like four, five. Yeah, it's like Dolphins, Jets, Falcons. Yeah. But that's kind of hanging over this conversation. In terms of fantasy, we've got uh, Najee Harris, Najee. No, it's contagious. Now I'm doing it. Not I think it's Najee, soft J. Najee. Na, not yeah. Najee. Najee. Yeah. I, Craig's the cultured one among us. So the really, it's not just that there's only three or four running backs, but there's only really three or four teams they could go to that we'd be like, oh yeah, we're really yeah. excited for this season. Yeah, so that's yeah, it's kind of all right. So with that said, let's move to the next one. Who's the next running back you got for us, DK? All right, Travis Etienne from Clemson. Who he's the type of guy who could have come out last year probably and still been a high pick, but he decided to go back. He, I don't think, really helped his cause a lot by going back. Like he kind of almost just plateaued. So I'm guessing he'll end up being either a late round, a late first round pick if he's lucky. Much more likely a second round pick. Um, but honestly, that could be good because then he could land in a team where there's you know a lot of um, you know opportunity or whatever. Maybe like a better offense if he does end up falling a little bit in the second round. So we'll see how it goes. But here's my spectrum. So on the low end. And and I guess like the pro the prototype the archetype that I'm going for here is slightly undersized explosive uh, running backs that are maybe not three down like typical workhorse style back. So start with the low end: Amir Abdullah, Lamichael oh. James. Oh, remember Lamichael? Remember Lamichael? Oh my God, who didn't love Lamichael James? Amir Abdullah was electric in college at Nebraska. I, those yeah, two so. guys you just said are so upsetting to me because it just occurred to me that, like, I have... Let's be clear here about something. Michael James was way more exciting than Travis Etienne in college. Is that not fair to say? Uh, yeah, Michael James was like a... like a. There was like a <laughs> Michael James movement. People like changed their religion to Michael James. I feel James like Michael James, like Reggie Bush, is the most exciting college running back last twenty years. I will give an entire second tier, leave it blank, out of respect. I feel like Michael James is third tier. <laughs> but Michael doesn't seem like Etn to me. Michael was little. Michael was, was like five eight, one ninety. Etn's a little bigger than that, right? DK. It's just upsetting he didn't do anything in the NFL. That's all I'm trying. Michael James was or is five nine, one ninety five, coming out of college. 
He was the second round pick. He was the 61st overall pick. So late second round to San Francisco. And I remember people were stoked about that. Oregon running backs in general have not fared well. Kenyon Barner was another one people Yeah, really I almost put him on this list, Craig, actually. And basically yeah. what I was going for, you know, to dig deeper was like supremely productive college running backs, which is what ETN is. But some question, so supremely, supremely productive, fast, explosive college running backs. And then, but like question marks around three down ability, basically. So anyways, continuing on Amir Abdullah, Michael James, carry on Johnson, Daryl Henderson, Marlon Mack, Darren McFadden, DeMarco Murray, Chris Johnson, Jamal Charles, and then the platonic ideal Alvin Kamara. So that's the unbelievable list. It's an unbelievable spectrum right there. (laughs) It's a sexier list, that's for sure. Darren McFadden is what... Okay, I'm titillated. How how confident are... So how confident are you... The wrong question. Where do you see him sliding in Travis Etienne realistically? I can't speak because I'm so titillated by this list. I can't believe Darren McFadden, DeMarco Murray, Chris Johnson, Jamal Charles, Alvin Kamara. All of those guys have been like like a heavy-hitting top three dude at some point. McFadden was a very brief time. I'm curious, like, how confident you he hits that level? McFadden was the fourth overall pick. Did you remember this? Like, is that in your memory banks anywhere? He was the fourth. I remember him having pick. 250 yards randomly for the Raiders after everyone had written him off as like a. I remember bust. when 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 I was up in the Bay Area, like people wanted him to be like they wanted him to work out so bad, like they would use every excuse oh, yeah. every Sunday to be like, well, no, he's actually better than it seems. That's he, <laughs> the 70 yards were. It was actually a tough 70 yards. But did you watch <laughs> the 70 yards? I mean, he just yeah. it was you didn't you had to be there. Is basically his line wasn't helping him. Going back, the reason I so actually my comp in the in the Ringer NFL draft guide is Darren McFadden, and it's more like a stylistic. The way he McFadden's runs, huge. The, isn't the he? way he runs reminds me of Travis Etienne. So like they're both kind of, uh, right? I don't know what the word is like herky jerky runners. Like just like they don't look smooth when they're running, but they're very explosive. Oh, great, and fast. that's great. Well, like for instance, <laughs> Darren McFadden. Like, ran, cool, Darren McFadden, herky jerk, two hundred and eleven pounds. At the combine in 2008, ran a 4.33, jumped 35 and a half inches in the vert, 10.8 broad. And so, like, what's the herky jerk score? Herky jerky. DK, what, what was he on the herky jerk score? Yeah. What's the, what, what combine, <laughs> what, what is the test that tests herky jerk? <laughs> Three count. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> So where do you feel like he's going to land on this scale? Go watch Travis Etienne run. It's like all in the shoulders. Like the way he moves, it's like all shoulders. What, like a duck? But he's fast as shit. This sounds bad, DK. <laughs> this is a bad sales pitch. I don't think I'm in on him anymore. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell him to you. I'm just telling you how I see it. Okay, so, you see, so he's a duck. <laughs> so no, but you also have Chris Johnson and Jamal Charles here. I, I just can't emphasize enough. Chris Johnson, CJ2K himself. And then mm-hmm. Jamal Charles, who literally, I believe, is the all-time NFL leader for yards per carry. He's underrated, Jamal Charles. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's an incredible list of comps for Travis Etienne. Yeah, so like the high end, so that, that's actually a good, I think that's a good way of framing how I feel about Etienne overall, because <clears throat> I think his floor might be a little lower than I'm really comfortable with, if that makes any sense. Like, I think he has a lower floor than uh, like a Najee Harris type guy where I think you're going to get a really solid floor from Najee. He's going to be a pro for, you know, five, six years and be really solid. Whereas ETN, I think, is a little more landing spot dependent. He's not as scheme transcendent, if that makes any sense. Um, but I do think his overall, like the the ceiling is really high because he's super athletic. He's explosive. His acceleration is through the roof. Um, and so I think to me, that is what makes him so interesting. And, and, um, you know, I, I still have high hopes for him. I think he's going to be good, but like, I think it also just kind of matters where he lands. I'm looking at this list and I comped him to Darren McFadden, but I actually think the DeMarco Murray one works really well because so Murray had two 1000 yard seasons for Oklahoma in college, 50 touchdowns on the ground. Unreal. Another 13 touchdowns in the air. So he had seven, he had 63 touchdowns, which I think is around what uh, what 
ETN has. I can't remember off the top of my head how many had, but it was like a ridiculous amount. Um, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. So ETN had 78 touchdowns in college, which is just freaking unheard so of. So many. Um, but DeMarco Murray, <laughs> DeMarco Murray had 63. He, at 5'11", 213 pounds, which is almost exactly the same size as ETN weighed in, he ran a 4'4'3", at the at the forty, you know, thirty four and a half inch vert, ten four broad, like very good, um, very good explosiveness numbers. But then, and then he took a while to get going uh, in his career. But then he ended up putting out like multiple thousand yard seasons. He had one, two, three one thousand yard seasons. I'm talking about Murray. Murray Murray's a really interesting guy. I mean, he got he only played because Felix Jones, I think, got hurt. Yeah, they had, had like had really awesome- high hopes for him. Yeah. He had like an awesome eight game stretch. And then for the next two years, he was like the hottest commodity in fantasy. And then he like fell off. He went off to cliff. Philly. Then he went to Tennessee. And then he retired at 29. He's only 33 right now. <laughs> wow. That's fun. I mean, Todd Gurley's 26. DK has a bet <laughs> with me that he won't ever play in the NFL again. <laughs> if you guys remember, uh, DeMarco Murray, one of the things about him is he was like, he he fell the third round. He, despite all the um, numbers he put up in college and everything, he was a third round pick because he was a little bit stiff and herky jerky as a runner. Which I the think herky is jerk. Exactly there it is again. A herky jerky. Her- what was his herky jerk score? So like, l- l- let me explain herky jerky because <laughs> please, the, Jamal Charles is on this list. Jamal Charles is the smoothest, silky runner ever. Like it never looked Sad. like he was trying. Just effortless speed. And I would put Alvin Kamara in that list too. Like. Alvin Kamara, it never looks like he's trying very hard, and he just like blows by everyone. Whereas a guy like Tamarco Murray, a little more stiff, like stiff-hipped, um, not gonna like bend. He's not like Lashawn McCoy, where he's like making guys miss, but explosive, straight line speed, one cut runner who could you know you know top end speed. And, and Tamarco Murray, man, his 2014 season was one for the ages. He had 392 carries, 1845 yards. 13 touchdowns. He added another 400 plus yards in the air. Like, just ridiculous. 2,200 yards from scrimmage. Um, Him and uh, DeMarco Murray and McFadden to me, that stiff running style. To me, it always looked like they were running over hurdles when they ran. Like, there was like a, <laughs> yeah. a one foot hurdle that they'd always have to get over. Should we call it a hurdle like, jerky? There you Ooh, go. That's our new beef jerky brand coming soon, fantasy football show. So, to me, at the end of the day, yeah. What you what you're gonna ask, I think, is like, where do I see him? I think mm-hmm. that six seven range, Darren McFadden, Demarco Murray, is a solid. Certainly not the worst case scenario, but like a solid floor you want to shoot for, where you're gonna have these guys probably multiple one thousand yard seasons would be like, I would take that for sure. Um, and then I think the upside is obviously quite a bit higher, but I don't think his odds of hitting that upside are quite as high as like Najee Harris type style. Okay. okay. Does that make sense? I think so. Like I think yeah. you're getting a good floor. Or sorry, let me say that again. You're not getting a good floor because I do think he has like a lower floor than Najee. You're getting like a good realistic range of expectations for him, I think, in in that Darren McFadden, DeMarco Murray, and like low end Marlon Mack range. I like the Jamal Charles better than the the Marlon Mack, but <laughs> well yeah. I hope so. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Who's next? All right. Next up, Javante Williams from North Carolina, who very, very exciting runner. Um, he extremely, extremely physical, great balance, uh, almost like gyroscopic balance. Like the way he runs is actually really interesting because 
there was multiple runs in his on his college tape where he like gets turned around in the air. He's like running downhill. He gets hit. He like spins, turned around. He lands backwards and just keeps running backwards. It's like you know the what? cars that do you know that you know how like in stunt cars you like get them going backwards and they like flip around and go straight without like breaking any speed. It's like, like the this Batmobile. Is, yeah, this is like how he runs. Um, just really, really good balance. Really, really good. But he did that multiple times, just backpedaling out of midair. Yeah, he's just he's he just keeps going downhill and, and like churning out yards. So to me, that's the style of runner he is. He, he's like the platonic ideal, which I'll get to, is really, really exciting. However, he's also a little bit on the slow end, you know, for he's not a home run hitter. I think he ran in like the low four fives, which means he's probably more like a four six kind of guy. In, in reality, since the pro days are, you know, bumping up guys a little bit. So, like, here, here's the low end. And obviously, th- I feel bad putting Zach Moss here because the, the book is not out on him, but... Yeah, damn. Disappointing rookie season, I would say. You, Zach, Zach Moss would be Moss the low end. the one? Wow. Peyton Barber is above Zach Moss? That's fucking hard. That's cold. That's hard. Let's put Peyton Barber... How about put Peyton, Peyton Barber at number one? That's like, I mean, low end guy On who, a scale of one to ten. People are annoyed that he's in and over like the guy that is on your fantasy team. That's like the worst case scenario. You know what I mean? People are like shit. Javante Williams is in. You don't want to be. Yeah, you don't want to be the Jamal Williams. Shit, he should be. Jamal Williams should be on here somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so Peyton Barber, Zach Moss, Damian Harris, who Heifetz loves. <sighs> That's so. That what? What a dagger to me personally. Mike Davis, Spencer Ware. Do you have Damian Harris behind Mike Davis? Did you see Mike Davis last year? Mike Davis has way more Mike Davis was 80% of Christian McCaffrey last year. Damian Harris was like freaking third string, man. You got to get over Damian Harris. (laughs) I guess. But he's, uh, fine, fine. Anyway, he might be good this year for all I know, but he hasn't fucking proved it yet. Oh, you're right. You're right. Just keep going. I'm just trying to All right. So Mike Davis, Spencer Ware, David Montgomery. So like if we were doing you know, an absolute reality, like Javante Williams turning into David Montgomery. I think that, I think that we, you'd, that's like as low as you'd probably want to shoot for. Um, I don't know if like, yeah, f- four months ago, I'm not sure we'd be stoked about that comp. Right. Josh Jacobs. Is David Montgomery good? Because he was really see, bad. The then he was really good. We can't do this now. That'll be in, a, in, in the middle of May. We'll come out of our hiatus and we do 45 do minutes on, is David Montgomery good? So You're right. the right. bottom line is, Craig, to your point, in three years, I don't want to be having a question of, like, is Javante Williams good? Like, is he good? Yeah, I don't want to be having that discussion. So to me, the David Montgomery is the floor that you're shooting for here. Spencer Ware, Mike Davis, both those guys proved that they could come in when injuries occurred. And like carry, they're like grinders, you know, they're physical. They can carry the offense, but they're not star material. They're not like elite starters, if that makes any sense. David Montgomery is right there on the on the cusp of like, is he good or is he just a volume guy? And then from there, Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, Kareem Hunt, and Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is my, like if Javante Williams pans out, he could be the uh, a Marshawn Lynch style of runner. You just... Marshawn Lynch style, beast mode style, destroying wrecking ball people yeah. style. If you well, that's like, what a ten is. It's like best world scenario. Best okay, case scenario, right. he has a Marshawn Lynch esque career, like five or six thousand yard seasons, taking people's souls. Like Heifetz, best case scenario, you're like Scott Van Pelt. But like, you know, <laughs> doesn't mean it's gonna happen. It's a good point. Point taken. So David Montgomery's the floor here. So. Where do you think Javante Williams fits? At least within that four-team spectrum we just said of like Falcons, Jets, Steelers, and I already forgot the other one. Oh, I would love to see him in Atlanta. Dolphins. I think that would be a lot of fun. He could go and play with his, uh, you know, with Mike Davis, his his other comp there. I think that, <laughs> I think that the Atlanta Falcons in the second round would be an awesome spot for him, and he, he'd go in and immediately be the starter there. Um, who are the other teams that we mentioned? Miami, Pittsburgh. Jets, Falcons. We're giving Najee to the any, Literally any of those teams would be fine. That'd be great. It's really convenient that there's four teams and there's four guys that we have. <laughs> that's, you know what? I yeah. would love to be like, yeah, we planned this, but no. it's that's We not, actually didn't. Yeah. We did not. It's just super. Okay, convenient. wait. Let's get to this last guy here. Uh, Michael Carter from uh, North Carolina. Yeah. So that's the other thing actually I wanted to mention about 
Javante Williams is he was not a full-time starter necessarily. He did a committee in uh, North Carolina with Michael Carter, who also in his own right is a very interesting prospect. So Javante Williams going into the NFL, you're going to have questions marks about whether he can carry a heavy load. He is in the same sort of boat, at least experience-wise, stylistically very different, but experience-wise as uh, as Travis Etienne, who both of them have like three games where they have more than 20 carries in their college career. Um, so that's a big question mark. Uh, back to Michael Carter from North Carolina, who was Javante Williams' um, backfield mate. So he Can we just is, note that together on North Carolina, they were Michael Carter Williams? <laughs> That's a basketball <laughs> joke. Losing it. I've heard of that person. I have heard yeah, of Yeah, he is notorious. He's famous <laughs> for how bad he was. He basically won Rookie of the Year because he stuffed the stat sheet and then sucked every year after that. So not looking good for these two. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about this year right here being the third and fourth best running backs in this draft. Uh, you're telling me I'm I'm investing my capital in Michael Carter Williams? I don't know. Their run game was insanely good, Heifetz. You should go watch the tape. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Shop to watch the tape on me. Fucking watch the tape, bro. No, I mean, but really, they were an awesome run team. Um, so Carter, he's interesting. He's a little bit smaller. He's like 200-ish pounds. So he's on the small end of the spectrum when it comes to running backs. Um, but he has very qu- he's quick. Explosive in the short area. He does not have home run speed, but he makes guys miss. Uh, bat, like a, a patient, you know, cerebral runner, I would say. Like he kind of just like picks his way through the traffic and, and finds ways to get out of, you know, out of the group of people. So here's my, and Craig's making weird faces when I said that. I don't know. What, what's that about, Craig? No, I just, I, I can't tell. With all these guys, maybe besides not, besides Najee, I'm somewhere between Heifetz's coined term whelmed and underwhelmed. I'm, I'm hovering between <laughs> whelmed and underwhelmed with a lot of these guys. I think. Yeah, Looking at fair. this list, just get through the list, then we can talk about it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So first of all, before I get into the list, short apology if you can hear some people that are building a fence outside my house. So could, could hear a little bit about that. But Do you hate your neighbors? It's my fence. I'm, build, I'm building a fence to keep my child from running into the street. Um why is he running away from you? Dude, he just <laughs> always tries to leave. What the hell? Does he have better or worse acceleration than Michael Carter? He is What's fast. his herky-jerk score? He's yeah. fast. He is, he's got it's a little herky-jerk. Jerk. His gait is a little herky-jerky right now. He's just not real coordinated. Uh, a lot of tripping and whatnot. Runs with his shoulders. Yeah, he's very shoulder-heavy. <laughs> like a duck. I'll send you the tape. You, get, you guys can check it okay. out. Waddles. All right, give us the spectrum for Michael Carter. All right, so... <laughs> starting on the low end, starting on the low end, Andre Ellington, Chris Thompson, Gio Bernard, Jarek McKinnon, Naheem Hines, Dion Lewis, Ahmad Bradshaw, Devontae Freeman, Austin Eckler, and LaShawn McCoy. So it's a super tough list. My eyebrows didn't raise until number 10. <laughs> That's a super tough list. You don't want Austin <laughs> Eckler? All right, nine. Your own fucking good. teammate? Dude. You're six years <laughs> Dion Lewis, which like if you had put it at two, I would not have blinked. Well, here's one the deal. through six here are interchangeable. Ellington, Chris Thompson, <laughs> who's too low, honestly. Gio Bernard, Jarek McKinnon, Naheem Hines, Dion Lewis, interchangeable one through six. Yeah. That's so tough. So I guess and again, Heifetz, man, you just keep setting up really good segues for me. I think it speaks to I think it speaks to the quality of number one, Michael Carter as a prospect. I think it's he, he's very much on the scale of like, uh, I don't think he's ever going to have like a huge role in the NFL. I think he's hmm. much more likely to be a Deion Lewis, uh, you know, Naheem Hines type of guy, like a, a complimentary back in the NFL than he is. It's much less likely, I believe, that he's going to be a Devontae Freeman, a Neckler, or a McCoy. Because right. I don't think he's a, as explosive as those three guys. Um, I think he... I think he's definitely quick in the short area and, and physical and all that, but he doesn't have, he's not like a tackle breaker uh, classically, like he's like bowling through guys. He's more like make a, make guys miss type of deal. So I, I don't know. I, I think he is a, a far tier below the first three guys that we talked about. And from a fantasy point of view, I think he's, he's extremely landing spot dependent. Like if he lands in a situation where he's going to be getting a lot of touches, then all bets are off. But I think it's much more likely. He's going to be a complimentary back type of player. 
So this leads us back to full circle to this is the fourth best running back in the draft. This draft kind of sucks for running backs. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I mean, so he's he's my fourth ranked guy, but I, I think some people would have a few other guys ranked fourth. And that, again, speaks to, I think, you know, Michael Carter, not necessarily a, a highly thought of prospect. He, he's more in the middling range and a guy that if he lands in the right situation where he's catching a lot of passes, he could have fantasy relevance. But you know, odds might be against. He's going to be a Gio Bernard, I bet. A guy that people are more excited about than they maybe should be. So let's do a lightning round then. Take us through a few other guys that other people may get excited about outside of these four dudes. So the other three guys I think that you would see in that RB4 spot are Trey Sermon from Ohio State, who he, most of his career, he was very underwhelming. In a few games late in this last college season, he looked like fucking Bo Jackson or something. He was just carrying <laughs> the Ohio State offense, and I'm, I'm obviously he was the guy staring into the camera during the he me, he was the meme during the Clemson game. <laughs> yeah, he's jumping over dudes, laying them out, catching passes, literally carrying the Ohio State offense to victory. Um, <laughs> but there's just so few games. <laughs> Is Craig okay? <laughs> Craig's dying. Craig's coughing Sorry. over. Here. Craig's just coughing. Water. I had water went down the wrong pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought Good Craig there. was reacting to my. I was just sitting here judging other people's athletic ability. Like you'll never be anything but a Geo Bernard, and Craig just choking on water. I can't, <laughs> I can't even swallow water. Oh boy, sorry yeah. about that. Um, but anyways, so I guess like the idea here is, Sermon has a really high ceiling in theory if he could play like that all the time and he gets in the right situation. Stylistically, it reminds me a little bit of Todd Gurley, like the taller, smoother guy that likes to like get outside and, and one cut and go, and good pass catcher, all that. But I think his Wait, low Todd end Todd Gurley is, before the knee thing or after the knee thing? Yeah, well, maybe after, because he's not as explosive <laughs> as Todd Gurley. Cool, so he's not good enough to make a roster. <laughs> yes, oh correct. Well, he's cheaper, so he probably will make a roster. But... um. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd say, you know, I'm not super hopeful. I I would say and this is kind of like what I've seen from some of the smartest analysts in the, in the industry are basically like if you're going to chase a guy before if you're if you're doing a draft before the actual draft, like he's a big school guy uh who has produced former former big time recruit, all that stuff like he's got the right size to be a foundation back. If you're going to take a flyer, he's the guy to take a flyer on. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so who's next? That wasn't exactly lightning. That was a little more thunder. But who else you got? Right. Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. Another freaking Memphis running back coming into the NFL. What is with them? Um, I don't know, man. They did an incredible job of recruiting some really exciting playmakers. Kenneth Gainwell joins Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, and Daryl Henderson as like really exciting slashers from the backfield. He's undersized. Um he did not test as well, I think, as, as people were hoping. He wasn't quite as fast or explosive, but he's he's just a player. Like When I watched him, he reminded me stylistically. I'm not saying he's at this level, but he reminded me stylistically of Aaron Jones. Um, kind of like that slashing style pass catcher. He's actually like run, lining up as a receiver quite a bit in that offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting guy. Again, Like I think it's absolutely landing spot dependent. If he lands somewhere that's going to feature him as a pass catcher, I think then we're going to get really excited about this guy. But more likely, I feel like it's the odds are you're going to see a situation where he's like, you know, Darrington Evans or something where he's like behind a really, really good back that's not going anywhere for three years and you're just ending up being like, eh, that sucks. Like Tony Pollard, for instance, the exact same scenario. Tony Pollard is really good. Really explosive. Every time he touches the ball, something good happens, but he's stuck behind Zeke. So I could see that happening with Gainwell. Now, if he ends up in a situation where it's 50-50 split, that's awesome. I'm a, And then I'm going to get really interested with, about him. 
DK, if Tony Pollard were in this draft, where would he go? In this draft? Like yeah. knowing everything that we know? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Or like as a After prospect? Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> like, like, you know how good Tony Pollard is. You know his age. And if he just somehow entered the draft, would he be like the second running back taken? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, I bet you he'd be a second rounder. I bet he would. I, oh I think my he'd be God. The RB, he'd be like that's, the RB4. That's, that's a very indicative of so this draft. So do the Cowboys need to cut Zeke or is this just a terrible draft? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Dude, you tell me. So obviously the Cowboys are absolutely married to Zeke for years, right? They just gave him this massive contract. Um, but we've seen every time Pollard is like the featured guy on that offense, he's awesome. So, I mean, you tell me, what do you do? We we should do like a first team all t- fantasy Twitter dorks love list. Tony Pollard's on that <laughs> list. Pollard's I really guess. Yeah, there. but Tony Pollard, I feel like is he's the one guy who's like earned it. Everybody else is like, oh yeah, I love this Godwin. guy. He, he carried the ball four times and he broke a lot of tackles. Therefore, we love him. Like oh, the this Duke is like Johnson the David thing. Montgomery thing, though. We can't do 45 minutes on Tony Pollard in the middle of, of April. That's just irresponsible. <laughs> uh, okay. Any anyone else? Any other running backs that should be on people's radar? The one, I think, yeah, the one other guy I think that's worth mentioning here, and there's there's several other players that could be interesting, but since we're making this lightning round, Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, who was a big was a big reason, by the way, that Trey Sermon transferred from Oklahoma to Ohio State. Um I believe because they were because he was like encroaching on his playing time. But Stevenson. Oh, I was gonna think maybe they're roommates and they didn't like each other or something. No, I mean I think you it mean, was you like, like your freshman roommate. You move video game dispute. Yeah, and I could be wrong because there was another guy there uh, who was take who who basically had passed up Trey Sermon, which again is not a great indication <laughs> that Sermon is like going to be this stud in the NFL. Um, but Stevenson, I think is interesting. He he's a two hundred thirty pounder, two hundred twenty five pounder, big guy. Um, again, slow is like the main worry. He's just too slow, not explosive, but he's very good at breaking tackles. He's sort of slick. You know, he gets around, um, gets around guys, makes them miss, uh, good balance, all that stuff. Good in the passing game. What's a, what's a comp for him? You're going to say Gus Edwards. Derek Kent. Oh, Gus Edwards. All right. Like a good <laughs> player. Craig said Derek Henry and you said <laughs> Gus Edwards. <laughs> so that's the first time that's ever happened. When Stevenson was in college, he was listed, I believe, at like 247 pounds. So people were like, this is the next coming. This is the second coming of LeGarrette Blunt. And then he weighed in at like 225 or something like that at his pro day. And everyone's like, okay, well, never mind. Also, he's not very fast. He lost 20 pounds? Well, I think he was probably just listed more than he actually was. Like more than he was playing at. Are there any rules about listing weight? No. It's like a driver's license. Twenty-two pounds is a massive gap for a running back. You that okay? Well, wow. it's probably smart, honestly, because you know he would definitely get, I think, pigeonholed into like a goal line back if he was two hundred and fifty pounds. There's a chance that Devontae Smith is one hundred and twenty-seven pounds. You have no idea. <laughs> I think you said two hundred forty-seven. <laughs> okay, there's your running back. You want to go to mailbag? Let's do it. What, what is that face, Greg? I was just saying, like, man, the running backs. What a brutal, oh, what a I brutal you group. Oh, yeah. You guys have a very noticeable lack of enthusiasm about all this. Well, it's yeah, t- because you know, we're the talking fourth about- best running back is a guy that we're like, yeah, you know, Gio Bernard. Like, Gio Bernard is maybe the third best running back on the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're and we're talking <laughs> like Jamar Chase is like maybe Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Like the third greatest receiver ever. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah. John, Fabio Quaft, John Elway. I'm like, Andrew okay. Luck. <laughs> like Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Kyle Pitts, perhaps the greatest tight end ever already. <laughs> <laughs> and then the running backs were like, yeah. And then we're like, David Montgomery, if we're lucky. Andre Ellington. <laughs> like, oh, my God. You guys are like, you're making me kind of sad about this class because I want to get excited yeah. about it. Yeah. But We're the messengers to all the people listening to just not get excited over here. Yeah. Keep, okay. All right. Let's get to the <laughs> all right, mailbag. Well, we'll see how it goes. Here's an email from <laughs> Ethan. Uh, I'm curious if you guys could define what a blockbuster trade is in the NFL these days. Fox News, among others, has labeled the Sam Darnold trade as a all caps blockbuster with five exclamation points. I say it's pedestrian at best. <laughs> Can you guys please explain what the term blockbuster means today? I have two thoughts here. The first is obviously this needs to be Netflix trades, right? 
What do you mean? Like a blockbuster trade. Like obviously it should be like a Netflix trade, right? Because blockbuster is obviously a thing of the past. Yeah. Well, who says blockbuster anymore other than for that specific phrase? Well, so I just Googled where did the term blockbuster come from? Oh, I looked it up too, Craig. <laughs> this is what it says. <clears throat> you know, the, the Google answer right at the top. The word first appeared in the pages of Time in a November 29th, 1942 article on the Allied bombing of key industrial targets in fascist Italy. The bombs used for such missions were called blockbusters because of their ability to destroy an entire city block. Did you source that from TikTok? <laughs> no. Fresh from the pages of Google, my friend. <laughs> All right. So uh, Sam, Darnold to, here. Sam Darnold to the Panthers, not a blockbuster. I don't think it's a blockbuster. It's not. A, it's definitely not a blockbuster, but I don't think it's pedestrian. I think it's more than pedestrian. He's going to be starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think I, I'm. I'm missing the point, though. I agree with Ethan that it's not a blockbuster because a blockbuster would be the fucking uh, DeAndre Hopkins getting traded is a blockbuster. Sam Darnold. Yeah, no. He's we not can get away with saying we answered Ethan's questions here because I technically read the explanation of the term <laughs> blockbuster. <laughs> He looked up the etymology of blockbuster, which I think is a fascinating story. Obviously, very violent. Uh, I think a blockbuster bad. trade is when the trade has like legitimate playoff implications. Like this could change the playoffs, and I don't think Sam Darnold's trade. Has I think that's a very it. good definition. Like in the NBA, like Paul George getting shipped to, and then Kawhi is signing. Like, oh my god, this yeah, there has to be like a power balance shift. I think yeah. that's correct from a content point of view. Heifetz. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think Blockbuster would be anything that makes like us as a as a website do the all hands on deck style thing? Like where if it's like a Friday after work hours, we all have to work. That would be a Blockbuster trade. If, it, if well, we that can bar wait is getting lower and lower. <laughs> <laughs> if we have to wait, if we get to wait till Monday to write about it, then it's not a Blockbuster trade. Moving on. The quarterback Mendoza line conversation we discussed a couple weeks ago about what is like the worst career you'd grab. So Gustavo and Jack wrote in to suggest that the worst quarterback you'd want at number one is Joe Flacco. Thomas wrote in to suggest Carson Wentz. But we got an email from Charles that kind of put us in our place saying, hello, Danny's and Craig. So regarding the question about the Mendoza line for drafting a quarterback's career at number one, you have to reframe the question slightly. If the question is, you get their exact career arc and nothing you do within reason changes it. Then the answer is the worst active quarterback to win at least one Super Bowl. And unfortunately, that answer is Joe Flacco. If the question is you get the relative level of play and develop and development from that quarterback and you can mix and match the pieces around them to win as much as you can as an organization, I think there's a controversial answer. Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> if you could guarantee the relative level of play of the career arc of Ryan Fitz and you were able to make the best possible team around him with your other roster choices, you'd probably have a shot at a Super Bowl like every three years when it lined up with the years he was playing con some team. He's trying to con some team into giving him a starting game the next year. <laughs> so there's two questions here. One, I think, do we all accept the premise that like, really, we should reframe this as like you get the player and hope that they're better on a certain team? And two, is that answer Ryan Fitz? What do you think, DK? I think it is a good way of doing it is, is basically, like you said, the relative level of play. So basically you're getting this level of quarterback play for his career versus like, I think a lot of, like we were thinking it of like the Flacco thing was we were thinking like if if they hadn't drafted this guy, they never would have won the Super Bowl or whatever, which is like, that's not really the right way of looking at it. I think it is what kind of quality quarterback play are you going to get? year in and year out. I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the right answer, but I like that answer. What do you think, Craig? I feel I think you could go a little lower than that maybe. Like Fitzpatrick has been pretty good. Really lower than Fitz? I don't I don't know if I agree. I, when I think of the Mendoza line, I think of like this is the absolute like lowest scenario that I would go. If somebody was like you can have Fitz's, you know, development and skill or or just take a shot at Trevor Lawrence, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So then it's not Fitz. Well, so this doesn't have to be this <laughs> year. <laughs> well, that's what it means, right? It's like every year you'd rather have this than the quarterbacks in the draft because that's the lowest one you take one overall. Lawrence is a little different. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> here's my thing. Like la like Kyler Murray last year at Burrow the year before. 
you know, Baker, tw- like the 2018 year. I think that that's, there was a lot more uncertainty with those than with Lawrence. But regardless, it's an interesting question. I'm I'm wondering right now, like, wh- like I'm wondering what ne- right now what I do with Eli Manning. Eli Manning, low key, is like because if we, we're throwing we're throwing out the career thing, Eli won two. It's Super just Bowls, like that it, was. A- it's basically if you put Eli on a on a eight and eight team every year. Yeah, what would he do? Like that's the answer what the is insanely is. easy. Is what the answer is insanely easy. You do not take Eli. I love it's Eli with all easy. my heart, but I have to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like if you just threw him on like a random ass team, I'm trying to. Think. Is it like Phil Rivers? Wow, no, Phil Rivers Co- is that, above the mark. I think Phil Rivers got so unlucky so many times. Although at the same time, he was also the real. What, what did Chris Ryan say when he came on our pod a few weeks ago about Howie Roseman? He's the arsonist and the fireman. That's full right. rivers. Everyone's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, including me, two seconds ago. He got so unlucky. He also threw a shitload of picks in the fourth quarter. I yeah. wrote, I will shamelessly plug for the ringer.com. You can Google like the history of like the Chargers late game collapses where I chronicled like a decade of all the times they lost. Half of them are just Philip Rivers doing a dumb thing at the end of the game, fumbling a snap, throwing a dumb pick, getting the ball back and throwing another dumb pick. Like he's a huge reason they lost. So I'm, I'm torn because his style is so aggressive. No, I I think it's closer (laughs) to him than it is Fitz. I love Fitz more than anybody. Are we, is Fitz a little overrated at this point? Yeah, because he's so lovable. The beard, it's cool, and like it's a fun story. Honestly, it's probably he's a good got a Paul cool Paul, nickname. Fitz Magic. Fitz yeah. has never thrown for four thousand yards. He's thrown for thirty touchdowns once. He's good, but he's not like. You know. I think Eli is really close to the answer because Flacco's <laughs> below it. Right, Flacco is no longer the line. He's below the line for number. Eli's probably the. Best quarterback you would not take number one? Is that fair to <laughs> yeah, say? Yeah, he's right. Oh, he's right. At, he's he's knocking on the ceiling of the Mendoza line. Like the door gets shut in his face. He's not into the party. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's maybe around... <laughs> I, I think Rivers isn't bad. I'm trying to think of other guys here. Carson Palmer? No, I think he was... He was pretty he was good. Pretty. Really? Okay. <laughs> I kind of would rather have Carson Palmer than Philip Rivers. Oh, I think I'd rather have Philip Rivers. Yeah, me too. The difference is Philip Rivers never got hurt. All right. Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. <laughs> On that note. So, again, we're reframing this. You can have the play. You don't get their exact career. Thank you for the correction, Charles. You get their, we're not gonna, you get their relative skill. Relative skill, relative development, and you can make them better. I, I, I think Eli, I'm curious what people think about Eli. Uh, Eli. All right. Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. We got anything else? No, that's it. Oh, good. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you. I was going to thank Javante Lauren for becoming James Conner. You didn't trust me to say the thank you, Lauren, Craig. You've missed you Lauren missed, the last two you've episodes. You've been really off your game, Hyfitz. You're like me, completely forgetting to think of a band. Okay. I was going to thank Javante Williams <laughs> for being like the next David Montgomery, but instead, mm. thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Elton John. Thank you. Nice. That's good. DK's DK's picks are erratic. I cannot predict (laughs) what he will do. All over the place. (laughs) Unbelievable. Oh my god. All right. Bye everyone.